HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Copper and Kings, pure copper pot distilled American brandy aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. For more information, visit copperandkings.com. Hey, what's up? This is Jack Inslee, host of Full Service Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this show, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes.
secure all life such a bore when the lights are on. All right. Triple Hex. Live in studio later. Happy Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. That's why we're really here today. Sports. <laughs> Sports. Um, you are listening to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. Darren and his betrothed are making a snack stadium. I'm the other half. Yeah. Well, we're getting to that. You're, you're, up, you're effing up my patter here. Sorry. Go whole ahead. plan. Joined today in the lovely <laughs> studio is uh, former guest, now co-host, Jordana Rothman. Welcome. Guest co-host. Guest, what, yeah, what, we don't really, yeah, what title do you want? Ghost. My ghost, <laughs> my ghost with the most. Ghostess with the mostest. Ghostess with the mostest. Um, lady of leisure. Yes, voluptuary. Um, voluptuary. And uh, co-author, co-author of the book Tacos. Eat them with your mouth. Yeah, that was actually the <laughs> subtitle. Yeah, Amazon didn't take it. Uh, actually, the original <laughs> subtitle was um, <laughs> uh, 666. Uh, kill your children. Six hundred and sixty-six ideas for weeknight meals. Oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that it, it was rejected. But I got left on that ring. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, our food guest today is another former uh, Snacky Tunes guest who was here under another guy's company, Suspicion. Uh, Anna Polanski, welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Hello, thanks for having me again. Uh, who is here um, years ago from the fooding? Uh, who has since left and gone on to do her own thing, the MP Shift, uh, who had it, who is um, joined by a lovely cohort who sounds like Darth Vader today and could not make it to the show, um, or Darth Vodan, <laughs> if you would believe the email. Um, and welcome back. Thank you. Uh, so in your own words, tell us what the MP Shift is. Yeah, so we we basically help restaurant owners and hotel owners and really any lifestyle space owner to develop their vision from A to Z. So we help with concept and uh, visual identity, branding, interior design, and marketing strategy. Uh, I mean, there's been like interior designers for restaurants for a long time, um, but this kind of like essentially boutique agency model seems like relatively new, or at least there's like a number of them popping up what what place do you see of this in like in or why do you think this kind of came around in like modern uh food times so i think that um you know it's not enough anymore to be a good cook or to have a lovely restaurant you really need more than just the food and a good service nowadays and so more and more chef and again hotel people are hiring many agencies to have a good brand beyond their food um but I feel like, and you know, Amy and I felt like um, a lot of time the agencies they hire just create their own vision instead of reflecting their client's vision. Um, and so you have a lot of spaces that end up being very irrelevant. You know, the the pure agency talks about it in a way that's different from the graphic designer conceived the logo. That's different from how the chef cooks. So we, you know, we we thought there was a need for an agency to really help um, being brand keepers, basically. For the owners. Do you feel like what you do is replacing the more traditional model of like PR and maybe an in-house marketing person? Yeah, I think so. That's that's actually how we started the company. Because mm-hmm. um, when I left the fooding, I was um, freelancing for a little bit and I was helping chef um, to do their own PR because I feel like most PR agencies are not really re- you know efficient. Um, and I figured, I was like, the problem is not really PR, the problem is branding, because they're not even able to put words on what they do. So, you know, PR can be effective if branding isn't solid. So I was thinking about that, and meanwhile, my partner Amy, who had been doing a lot of marketing and interior design on the side, was like, you know, it's the same when I ask an owner, what's the vision for this space? They'll tell me blue or <laughs> bottles of wine on the window. Mm-hmm. Um, and there has to be more than that, you know, on their concept. So we thought, you know, we really need to help these people from the seed to the launch because it's not enough to just have one agency at some point in the process to help you. It's just too late. So uh, Georgiana and I want to open up a Brussels Brussels sprout forward restaurant. Yeah, this is our our dream. <laughs> yeah, this is our dream. Um, we bring you and Amy, and we sit down, uh, and we say, you know, my, my father was a Brussels sprout former. Oddly enough, Jordana's great grandmother um, made the current strain of Brussels sprouts that are commonly in today. Yeah, um, that's where the money comes from. Th- yeah, we really um, <laughs> we're really proud of this. Uh, what are some of like the f- first steps that you take with us to kind of start to focus or kind of like educate yourself on like our uh, like where we should take the the restaurant, the concept. 
Right. So there is a whole protocol. Really, yeah. we start with a brain questionnaire and, you know, literally we'll be like, so what does he mean? It's a Brussels Pride concept. Is it a Jewish Brussels Pride concept? Is it a... I mean, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah, but, it, well, you know. She, she's got our number already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh branding expert. <laughs> but then if it's Jewish, is it pan-Jewish? Is it Sephardic and Ashkenazi? Is it fusion Jewish? You know, it's just with one idea, there are so many different concepts and a lot of times people don't think about that. Um, so we'll start with all these questions. We'll ask you, what are your inspirations? You know, what other places do you like, not like... Um, what do you want to be, really? Um, and it's, it sounds much easier than it is. Most people just have a really hard time answering, and it usually takes a few weeks to get answers. Um, and then from then, we'll work on a creative direction, you know, offer you a few options, um, and then work with, um, with artists and architects and, you know, really act like creative directors for you, which sounds really obnoxious but that's it's really this kind of advertising approach you know applied to restaurants it's so interesting because i feel like i definitely see this shift happening from you know just from my perspective and as a journalist and the people that i'm calling on the other end of the phone to arrange interviews or whatever it is those people have changed a lot and i think that it's not enough to bring a pr agency on they might have like deep contacts in this world but they at, at times, and this is not true of every agency, but at times there's a certain either like a one size fits all taste level or just a sort of like inability to understand the sort of articulation of what makes a place really unique. And I think that comes down to like it sounds like you have developed this really interesting question. I, I would actually like love to take it myself to kind of, but also well, like I mean the sprouts, the sprout, but but also but also you know I, I know the kinds of chefs and kinds of projects that you work on. And I feel like it also comes down to you having, you being sort of picky about who you choose to work with so that you you know that you can actually bring something to the table. You can't just take on any client because you need to take on someone who has the ability and the courage and the conviction to develop their own sensibility and stick to it and, you know, carry it through. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's, I mean, what you say is important because we, uh, I mean, we we are a little picky and, you know, we want to work with people we respect and where we feel like there is a real story and it's not just a business concept. Right. Um, but also the whole approach of the company that no one else has is that we don't want to have a signature style. And what it means is that mm. we feel like Acme shouldn't be the same brand as the Sussman Brothers food concept and there should be different from a Rockaway beach pop-up, you know, and that's the problem with a lot of design agencies and branding agencies is that, you know, you go to the standard and you go to Upland and you're like, oh, that looks like the same designer, you know, is it the same owner? And that's a problem because it's not the same owner. And we feel like it's a big problem when it's not the owner's vision, you know, that shows. But have any of your clients gone to be like, like, I want that. And you're like, you think you want that, but that doesn't actually speak to them. Like, have you encouraged that? And, no. and if so, like what type of or how do you kind of guide them away from from that? So, I mean, that's our biggest challenge and it's, it's a real, real problem right now because, you know, people, I think rents are so high in New York City that, city that people don't really want to take risk too much and they feel like if they do like the neighbor that became successful, then they'll be successful. And so typically whether you're a Thai restaurant or a coffee shop, you know, you'll want Barnwood and Edison Bob's or right now it's more LA, so it's more like um, colorful tables mm -hmm. and, you know. Subway tiles. Yeah, subway mm -hmm. tiles. And so that's our world to talk them out of this and show them a lot of inspirations and it's just a lot of convincing to be like you know if you're a Thai restaurant you don't have to be like Frankie's or, or Stumptown you know right, you can be right. different you um, work with El Rey right is that uh, not with well we've been working with Gerardo the right, chef right, right. Um, who did the, the pop-up in Rockaway oh, the summer right. shift so talk to yeah. us about Rockaway yeah Rockaway was great um, what happened is that so the famous Rockaway Taco Shack um, closed down for the summer Andrew the former chef, who I love, by the way, left and opened Takaway Beach. So David Selig, who's the owner of the Taco Shack, called us and said, you know, what can we do for the season until I find a replacement? Um, and so we thought, you know, let's, let's do something that's not too far away from the taco, but let's expand it a little bit. And, you know, let's use a trend that people talk about right now, which was Latin food. Uh, and then let's redesign it so it's relevant. And, you know, let's, let's show what we can do, basically, but on the temporary level. So we redesigned it, repainted it, you know, casted a bunch of different chefs from the city who were not just, like, you know, grandmothers from Latin America, more young chefs who had some roots in Latin America, and mm -hmm. we had them just do beach foods all summer. So Gerardo did it, Camille Becerra mm -hmm. did it, um, Fernando Asia yeah. did These are also just, these chefs, you know, if you're not familiar with them at home, they're just, they're so, 
to, to your point about these people having their own stories and their own styles, I mean, Camille is such a has such a distinctive point of view, both in the way that she cooks, but also like the way that she presents in the world and the photographs that she takes. And she's just like very styled. Um, and Gerard, like Gerardo or Gerardo, Gerardo, Gerardo. He, I am like so psyched about his food, and I can't stop talking about him. Actually, like I think that he is such an exciting person. Have you eaten there at mm. El Rey? His food is so interesting. There's not, I mean, it does have that like LA vibe, but there's just, there's not really anything else so much like that happening in New York right now. I think it's so distinctive and cool. And yeah. for the, for the shack itself, I mean, one of the things that I thought that you did exceptionally well was like the curation of the people that what that went in there. It would have been very easy to go with like just some of like the heavy hitters and just like, I mean, with your background, especially with the fooding, which like you know nothing on the fooding but like you, the the names in there were like oh we know these names but i thought that you when you picked like kind of left to center like where did the curation or like how did you kind of put that team together for the summer yeah so i mean you know the company is called the mp shift because we try to shift perceptions and habits um and so in whatever we do we try to not be too obvious and one of the things that you know I hate in the food world is that it's all about the big names and the network. And I feel like a lot of time we just tend to forget, you know, honest cooks that just want to make good food. And they might not be in the right networks or do the right events. You know, they're not at MAD in Copenhagen and all of that. But they're amazing chefs. And so that's the kind of people we try to support. It doesn't mean we don't respect the big chef, but, you know, they don't need us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, well, we're going to take a quick musical break. Um, we're going to talk about living. Uh, at Rockaway, we're going to go back to the questionnaire a little bit and then <laughs> got Triple Hex live in studio in just a little bit. Uh, but this is Johnny Lamb, who I uh, barely missed seeing out two nights ago. So I thought uh, we'd play a song from him when he was here live on Snacking Tunes. We'll be right back. Ain't that funny what you do to me You're my honey as far as I can see And you told me that you found someone new Ain't it funny what time can do It ain't that funny, cause I'm so blue. 
I could drink a million beers or two, but I'll never be over you. I think I'll have a drink with a girl named Sue, but I'll never be over you. Um, living in Rockaway for the for the summer. Uh, one of the great things that you introduced me to was the farm that we had the dinner the dinner in. So, like, what kind of shifts did you see from the community, and kind of like, did it you know living there for the summer affect the way that you wanted to approach um, guiding chefs, um, especially with like so many rotating chefs kind of coming through? Yeah, I mean, I think. Again, what's great in Rockaway is that although it's becoming more and more hip and on the map, and you know, um, I mean, Jordana would never go anymore to Rockaway. Typically, <laughs> I'm an Asbury Park girl <laughs> these days. No, that's not um, true. I love Rockaway, but you know, it's still an hour away from the city, and it was really great to see, uh, you know, the Komodo guys, Camille. I mean, people who are generally in Soho and always interviewed by magazine and very much under the spotlight. It was great to see them just be super chill and maybe cook a little differently, just be different people because they were in a different uh, context. And, you know, again, it, it convinces me that it's not completely normal, <laughs> the food industry in New York City. It's just a lot of pressure and it's all about their names and all of that. And, um, I'm, you know, we're more and more interested in doing things outside of New York as well. Right now we're doing a project in Boston, actually. What is, the, um, what is that? Um, it's going to be... It's uh, the worst town in America. <laughs> There's a town. You said Boston. 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 Boston, yeah. Um, No, you know, and it's an amazing chef, um, Christopher Willis, who used to cook at Per Se and other places in New York. And like a lot of chefs, you know, he's leaving New York City because it's too expensive, it's Mm -hmm. too crazy, it's too much pressure. And so we're doing the visual identity for his restaurant. Um, And yeah, you know, so it sounds less glamorous than being in Soho, but we just feel like being in Rockaway or in Boston or anywhere else just allows for more creativity, you know, for chef. Um, and the other thing we loved in Rockaway was the simplicity of chef out there, the local chef, you mm-hmm. know. There is Wits from Wits, the pizzeria. There is the, um, the Peruvian girls from Chicks to Go and La Cevicheria. Um, Umas. I mean, the, we I was together. just waiting <laughs> for the, the crowd the, favorite. These Becky place, you know, and these people just make incredible food. I mean, really food that I crave much more than most of the new hotspots. Oh, in I New think York about City. those Uma dumplings. Yeah, you can get enough of this. Um, yeah. And it just was really refreshing to see that there is also, you know, a place for people like that. And again, they're very simple people, not doing TV, not doing anything. They just make incredible food. So it just was very reassuring to see that. People and appreciate that. Not to contradict you earlier, but it's like, you know, what you're kind of going back towards is like the beauty of the food kind of shining through above all else. Your kind of pitch is like, that's just not enough anymore. So like, where do you strike the balance of that messaging? Well, I'd love, I mean, I'd love for, it would be great if there was not a need for a company yeah. like us. That would be an ideal world. But the problem is that there is a need for us. And so I'd rather be able to, you know, help chef and, Amy is the same, you know, she started to do design because she felt like there was such a disconnect between the design and, and the vision. And so we, since it's the world we live in, we want to be able to help chef make the right decisions, you know, instead of just putting all this money in the wrong people and closing down a year later. That's interesting. I mean, is your goal that the, that the chefs, that, are you training wheels or are you like long time, like kind of just continue to grow with the chefs? Um, or is there some point where you think like, you're like big enough in your own way and you'll like focus your efforts on, on someone else. We really, I mean, we do a lot of things already. So we tend to stop once the restaurant has open, but you know, it depends typically Maiden Lane, uh, which you were mentioning earlier, which is this um, incredible wine bar uh, in this village or the first bar specialized in teen seafood in America. Um, we've started to work with them two years after they had opened um, and we helped them with marketing, with messaging they used to, you know, they used to have a lot of fans, a lot of chefs go there, a lot of sommeliers go there, but the press wouldn't really go there because, they're, again, they're not stars, they're not in the right network. And, you know, we help them, we train them, as you said, you know, instead of having say, well, we serve great canned seafood, which people think is really gross. You know, we were like, just insist on all of the incredible people you work with in Europe, you know, and the quality of traditional fisheries and, you know, all this kind of messaging and help them a lot. I mean definitely the message came out much stronger mm. so. when when in the process do you try the food 
um, as early as possible. Yeah. Does that influence whether or not you'll take that client? Well, I have to say for now, most people we've worked with had already cooked before. Typically, we worked on the Sussman Brothers um, Semisa oh, food mm-hmm. concept for the branding. And, you know, we know Eli's food from um, yeah, my, uh, land. my land mm-hmm. and we know Max's food from the Cleveland and Roberta. So, you know, we trusted them already. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean... It's a good question because, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what's our reaction when we, you know, when we work with a first time chef. But um, I don't think it should influence us too much as long as the guy is very sincere. And, you know, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, it's so subjective to say I like or I don't like the food. It, it's more about how authentic it is, I feel. Mm. Um, um, when you're working with the chefs and kind of opening up the like the early questionnaire moments, like do when do you or like what is the kind of like breakthrough moment or when do you feel that like you have like arrived or like the amount of information to begin to start to make suggestions or that you begin to understand where they're coming from kind of like the the crack moment the aha <laughs> yeah it's it's really uh, that sudden and immediate you know it's it's never really enough to just have the chef's answers um it, it's really interesting to go through through the graphic design process because it's when it becomes more real um, and that's how you build a story. I mean, unfortunately, there isn't really any ha- aha yeah. moment. And if there is, generally, they don't really need us. You know, mm-hmm. if, if mm-hmm. they're so strong in their brand, they're just good to go. Um, I want to make sure we talk about before you go, but what are you currently working on that you can talk about? <laughs> yes, there is not much we can talk about <laughs> right now. <laughs> but um, we just finished a brand identity for Acme, um, the restaurant and club in Soho. They just reopened with a different chef. Um, Did they change their type of food as well? Yeah, they used to work with Maz, who's yeah. an amazing chef, but, you know, he was serving very delicate, very precious um, Scandinavian food, which wasn't necessarily the best fit for such a huge mm-hmm. uh, place. Um, so now they're working with Brian, who used to work with Daniel. Um, and it's more of a brasserie with Italian accents. Um, you know, to be a great case where it, you might work with an amazing chef, but it doesn't mean it's right for your brand. How so. do you kind of change the awareness <laughs> yeah, of the project? That's I my mean, question, you know, too. It had such a, I mean, Acme was such an interesting case, I feel yeah. like, because Matt's had so much um, resonance with a very niche community in New York City of people who were aware of his um, reputation. But that kind of food, you need to on-ramp with that kind of food. You know, you can't just like dig into the lichen, you know, like it's, <laughs> it takes like a little bit of, you know, a little bit of like getting used to, you know, and it, and it can be very, very beautiful as it was there. But it's been open for a while. And so how do you then shift it to something? How do you work with the existing clientele? How do you... Yeah, and what and also the, the second part is like, what story do you start to feed to the press? Right. Because I did, I had read that they had shifted their foods. Like, what is the strategy of like, essentially a name? But what is it a name? Well, I think not everyone, <laughs> not everyone can afford to do what they did. I think Acme, you know, could just replace the chef after so many years because they have such a big name and they have, you know, and they had a name before it was even the owners. It's just Acme, the restaurant has been around for 30 years and everybody knows the awning. And so, you know, people will always be curious and will go anyway. I don't think it's true for any other restaurateur. Um, and then, you know, I think to be honest, I don't think Acme is just the foodie destination. Um, so I think in our foodie world, it's like, oh, my God, how is it possible and what's going to happen? But I think a lot of people just go to Acme because it's fun and sexy. And, you know, they're also the owners of Indochine, which is another extremely sexy place. But you don't really go there because of the chef, you know. So right. in that case, it's more than just food because I think their new chef is a great chef. But I don't think people will um, be obsessed too much with that change in food. And, hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, thank you for coming. We could probably talk about this for hours, but um, if anybody listening uh, wants to reach out to you and potentially take your questionnaire, uh, how can they get a hold of you? Where can they find you? They can go to our website, themptyshift.com. Do you want to spell that? Yeah, spell it out. Because with your accent, it sounds the empty shift. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> Which is like the antithesis, but yeah. Exactly. Okay, so it's T H E M P S H I F T. Dot com. Dot com. Okay. Cool. Uh, great. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for coming on. We have Triple Hex coming in live next, but up next is probably one of my all time favorite performances on Snacky Tunes from this artist, Juliana Barwick, which uh, is just wonderful. And we'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Welcome, Triple Hex, to the studio on this kind of weird, not fall, not winter, not anything, weird weather day. Um, do you want to go around the room and introduce yourselves? Yeah, hi, I'm Dave. Chip. Lila. Um, when I was reading about you guys, there's like two things that struck me. Um, one, bands can now be say they're from the early aughts and there's like some distance there. Which I didn't like, which I used to not think is like that, like a time frame that was significant. Uh, and you also probably have released records on the best record label names, like collectively, as all, of all time. I want to dream that it's like just one record label and you're just like cycling out different, like cool names. Because I want to read them just because they're so <laughs> rad. Um, Thigh High Records, uh, Lucinda Records, Mona Me Records. Uh, dead goat records. I mean, I'll go on, <laughs> but it's like just like I was like, are they fucking with me or is this just like awesome? So, do you pick it based on name or um, they're not our all our labels? <laughs> yeah. The Lucinda's in, in Spain. The Monami was another label in New York, and then uh, Death Goat's a new one. But Thigh High is our was the triple hex. Okay, label, I so. mean, fantastic. Yeah, does yeah. really just. <laughs> I mean, the bar is really, really, really high uh, for that. Um, how did you all form and, and meet? Um, uh, I knew Chip for a while, I guess, and on Ludlow Street, I guess, right? Yeah, we met on Ludlow. Like, actually on the street? Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell the story? Because like, that seems like such like an old New York story. We also met on Ludlow Street yeah, later. Actually, all actually the same, all from TG170, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, which is like right above uh, the recording studio that uh, Triple Hex records on. Yeah, New York Head Studio was in a Maverick Ray's uh, recording studio was in a basement. Okay. And uh, TG170 was above it. So Triple Hex was recording one time, and uh, we didn't have a bass player. And at the time, it was just a drummer and myself. And uh, the old drummer, Julie, was like, oh, Chip plays keyboards upstairs. Let's go grab her. You know, So she introduced herself to Chip, and, yeah. and she's been in the band since. I'd like, always be outside smoking cigarettes. And, uh, we literally just met. I was outside smoking a cigarette. Hey, you want to play with us? That's like a story straight out of the 70s, which is great because like, it evokes your, your music very well. It's like, it's like the shorthand of like finding someone who like just put their band references on a flyer with a tearaway number that doesn't have an error code because there was no <laughs> yeah, need. Totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wait, did you go and record that, that day immediately? Not that day, but we worked on some, some stuff probably like maybe a month later. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty great. Yeah. So you could like work and then run downstairs and then go back upstairs. Yeah. Smoke uh, breaks, take come down. Go to yeah. yeah, like yeah. like hey, we noticed your smoke breaks went from like five minutes to like two hours. Um, <laughs> a day. <laughs> a day. Uh, yeah, or like you know, a year. But you know, it's like um, and then wait. So what's your meeting on the street story? Was well, she? You met her at uh, TG yeah, once at the I'm store just, that I Chip used to work at. I came into the street and okay. just like inserted myself there. <laughs> did you so offer up? Did you like? Have a pair of drumsticks with you? Or did you offer well, that? <laughs> We're like just you know. Just, I probably <laughs> did, like yeah. in my bag. So we you know we met and started working together, became friends. And I was playing with some other bands at the time. I did fill in for them on a show back in the day, um, but <laughs> I was a little intimidated by. Uh, but yeah, so she. <laughs> yeah, so she met. It was on Ludlow, I guess. We mm-hmm. all met yeah, on we Ludlow. all met on Ludlow. Uh, uh, so anyone listening, if you want to get into this band, just like hang out on Ludlow Street and just kind of just like walk. Do you need to be like carrying like an instrument, maybe like a guitar or like a xylophone? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Guitar would be good. Probably. Yeah. Um, why don't we hear a song? Okay. Sure. What are you gonna play first? I'll play a song off the new record called Long Hot Summer. Okay. And what record label is this on? Death Goat. Perfect. Which is my favorite, by the way. It is. Awkward. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Y'all sat loud?
influences you can hear in the music but one of the ones that i like the most is new york i'm kind of curious like how this city now works its way uh into your music and how you guys make your sound recently like new york in modern day yeah um yeah i'm not really sure how it's i think it's just kind of probably in all our blood from growing up i'm i'm guessing right i mean are you all from here, or? Yeah, well, Lila's from the Bronx, right? Chip is from Long Island. I'm from upstate, yeah. but we all been. I've been here for like 20 years, yeah. all of us. So, what is school. it about the city that, like, I mean, just adds the the lay, that layer into the the music? Well, you know, that song is just like Long Hot Summer. It's kind of like, oh yeah, and it gets really <laughs> hot, and things are just about to like kick off. You know what I mean? At any minute, like, yeah. Like, Everyone's about to like fight and like lose their shit. So it's kind of like <laughs> you can hear it in there you for can, sure. Yeah, you can really feel it in a, <laughs> on a hot summer night. You know, it's yeah, just like yeah, just like listening to that song just made me think of like the first summer living here, being like, I don't need a fucking air conditioner, <laughs> and then like come August, I just like, what was I thinking? And yeah. just like, but not having the money and just being like, this is a long fucking summer. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's where I came from. I think New York is always kind of like. You know, we're from here, so it's kind of just always works its way into our bloodstream, whether we, you know, 
Do you believe like that argument that people like put out that like New York's dead and like no one can do things as an artist here and like everything's moving away? I mean, I don't really, I don't believe that. I mean, I think if you, I don't know. That's my opinion. I mean, I think you can probably move anywhere and make art. I think New York is probably. It's my home. It's our home. So what are we going to do? Like pack up and leave? Who else will have us? (laughs) (laughs) Who else would have? I don't know. Like some small town. Pittsburgh. I guess everyone's moving to Pittsburgh. I want to go to Detroit. Pardon me. Yeah. Pittsburgh is cool, though. Yeah. That's right here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, and then like over the years, like it kind of seems like it's ingrained. And I just think that people maybe sometimes get like they just it's just not the music just isn't where they left it. It just like kind of moves, but it's always kind of like out there and. Yeah. Finding inspiration. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Lou Reed used to sing about like, "Don't go through the park at night," and that that was like Union Square. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, when was the last time Union Square was really dangerous? And there was like prostitutes in Union Square, like literally, like what thirty five, forty years ago, probably or something. You know, so yeah. Now it's probably like just like don't go to Ridgewood at like two a.m. on a Wednesday. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not a great lyric, but you know. Um, <laughs> can we hear another song? Sure. Uh, what's this one? I will do um, Trouble in Waters. This is off the new record as well. Okay, great. Get Lila all set up then. You all set or?
trouble following me. Living all day. There's trouble and water washing over me. Drowning my thoughts of future desires. There's trouble and water washing over me. Drowning my thoughts of future desires. talk about the new record uh how did this come into existence um i guess we started working on chip and i did i don't know like three years ago and uh um we wrote like i guess five songs for it and then we just stopped playing for a bit kind of because we were you know financing all ourselves i guess we kind of ran out of money and then last year we started uh you know actually matt from the studio is gracious enough to like do that for us but anyhow um and then last year we got lila back in the fold and we went back and recorded another six songs with her you know in the fall and now we're putting it out you know next month that's awesome um how is it i mean writing a song over like that uh, record that over that many years um did the songs from three years ago kind of still stay true to now or like did you go back and like kind of re uh evaluate them or or update them yeah, we wanted you know we updated them a little bit, but we wanted to just we just wrote new songs as well. <laughs> You're like, sorry guys, <laughs> yeah. so, sorry you don't get to come into keep the it moving. Yeah, yeah, keep yeah. it moving. Keep yeah. it moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what kind of comes out on this record? Like, I mean, uh, maybe more so than some of the other uh, releases, either lyrically or sonically or both. Um, I think lyrically, maybe we you know expand a little bit more, like. Triple, you know, more lyrics on this on this record, a few songs, right? Yeah, and then so expanded a little bit that way vocally, lyrically on that, and then uh, I don't know. I guess we just kind of we don't really have like a set in stone. We kind of sometimes I guess all the songs kind of turn out and they kind of all sound like triple hex, but we kind of don't go in there saying this is what we're going to sound like. Yeah. We just kind of write the songs and they kind of. When does it become a, a? I always am curious to know from Dreamers like when does it become like an idea into a triple hexen because I mean you've you've been on with multiple bands mm-hmm. here and um, they like I mean they sit in maybe like a similar universe but they definitely don't have the same sound mm-hmm. so like when does something become a triple hex song in your eyes when we played on this radio station right now <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, okay well yes obviously that that, that is, is the gateway for, yeah and that's official <laughs> but what when is it that you're like in the process that you're just like okay like this finally sounds like something that like we could be self-identified as or like hang our uh, hat on. I think it's just like what we feel like we, you know, there's a lot of songs we'll rehearse ever, you know, I rehearse all this over and over and sometimes we'll change it a little bit and it, sometimes it just doesn't really feel like it's a, I guess it's more like what songs don't feel like triple hex mm. as opposed to which songs Interesting. do. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's odd ownership of like something that comes from almost nowhere to then bring it in to like make it your own, uh, your own. Yeah, exactly. In that way. Um, is it, are there some that are just instantaneous and there are others that like take a while to kind of like break open? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Some songs are written in like, you know, literally an hour 
you know, and that's it. Like the last song we'll play today. <laughs> you know? And and then other ones take a long time, you know. And like I thought it was interesting recording, like a lot of it would be done there, which I think All is minute. cool. Yeah, and that's right there. what makes them. Oh, fun. so like in the studio for for you guys, it was kind of like in the post production or in no, the like recording. In a, this is the first time Lila ever recorded with us, yeah. and a lot of times, like some of our songs will have like a, definitely a certain framework of what we do, and other songs were like, well, this is the chord progression kind of, you know, and then <laughs> we'll go in and then just kind of work on it there in the studio. Which is the best part of recording. Yeah, it was so cool. <laughs> Um, well, I want to make sure we have time for one more song and just let you guys kind of breathe into that. Um, okay. But I want to thank um, MP Schiff for coming on. Uh, I want to thank Jordana for being my go- ghost co-host, co-host mistress. Um, but uh, especially a big, 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 big thank you to Liz, who has been our engineer for a long time. Uh, we have grown the show together. She's going somewhere else, um, which I we won't say, but thank you for putting up with Snacky Tunes. Uh, where I know where pains. Um, shout out to Darren and Anna, my parents, and my Berliner, who's my favorite. Uh, what's the name of the last song you're gonna? Um, it's called Love Song. Oh wait, and where can people find you? Get the new record. See Triple Hex Live. That's eh, out there somewhere. Who knows? Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. You lost. You lost. That's a great answer. Um, everyone else is super ready. You're just like fucking find it. Yeah, yeah. There. Or go to Ludlow. Yeah, yeah, Ludlow. Okay, we'll be yeah, on Ludlow. Yeah, we'll be on Ludlow. <laughs> yeah, heading up. Yeah, all of yeah, old Ludlow. Old Ludlow from like ten years ago, maybe. Yeah, but that's fine. Um, all right. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode of Snacky Things. Thanks. Yeah, go ahead. songs or pizza I just want to fuck I don't want to love songs I just want to fuck I don't want to love songs I just want to fuck I don't want to love songs I just want to fuck I don't want to love songs I just want to fuck oh yeah you and me bring a friend and make it free Ask your friend to come along We'll stay up all night listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.